Among the most famous last words, or maybe infamous last words, this two-word phrase, trust me. Has that phrase ever gotten you in trouble? Have you ever, have you ever found yourself in trouble because of that two-word fra- phrase, trust me? Oh, just just trust me. And so, so sometimes when we, when, we, when we trust people, sometimes it puts us out there on a limb, right? All of a sudden we get out there and it's like, okay, we go all in and we get let down. You've put your trust in someone. You, 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 put, you, know, you, you hope that they were going to come through or do something and all of a sudden they let you down. And so sometimes trust me feels like bait, right? Sometimes trust me feels like you know, they're, they're trying to bait you into something and all of a sudden you realize you're in over your head. Things are more difficult. Things don't go the way you plan. Sometimes trust me causes us to feel vulnerable. And when we trust someone who, who uh, uh, is our friend, someone who's close to us, and all of a sudden they let us down, it makes us feel vulnerable. Trust me, feels like we're going to get hurt. But how many times each day do we put our trust in people we do not know? Think about it today. When you came in and you sat down in your pew, you trusted the manufacturer of the pew, that the people who built our pews, that they built it with, with the care and concern that these pews would last forever, right? Because that's how long pews are supposed to last, forever, right? And so, and, and, but we, we go, oh, when we sit down in a, maybe we, this morning at breakfast, you sat down at your table and you sat down to eat some breakfast, you sat in that chair, you had trust in the person who built that chair that that chair was going to hold you up and that you weren't going to end up flat on your back on the kitchen floor. Or on the way here, anybody walk to church today? My, my, my dad tells stories of how growing up, the church he went to, uh, was within walking distance of their house, and so they would walk to church. But most of us don't live right here. Most of us don't walk to church. It'd be an awfully long walk for many of us to get here, and so many of us drove. So we trusted the fabricators and engineers and, and assembly line workers to, who put our vehicles together. They're, they're going to go when we want them to go. They're going to stop when we want them to stop. That's important, right? It's not just important that they go fast, but it's important that they stop when they need to stop. And that the car would hold together as we drive, right? Can you imagine driving down the road, all of a sudden you lose a fender here, a quarter panel there. You know, as you drive down the road, like the, 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 wind, the hood flies off, a door comes off. That, I, I'm waiting for that to happen on my car. Uh, my, my, my 20-year-old classic out there with leprosy, and it just keeps humming right along. But if you think about we even trust people who packaged our food. Maybe you had cereal like me this morning. You, you trusted that, that those Honey Nut Cheerios were, 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 were put together, were, were made in a factory where it was sterile, where it was clean, where, where there wasn't anything that was going to be added into the food that was going to make me sick. Maybe you were, this morning as you made your breakfast, you, were, you put your trust in the people who processed your food so that when you ate it this morning, you would have energy you needed but wouldn't get sick. We put our trust in a lot of different people. See, trust is a foundation for pretty much all of life, from people to commerce to uh, travel. We trust that that people are going to play by certain rules. We trust that people are going to drive on the right side of the road, inside their lane, and use their turn signals uh, as they go along. They're going to stop when they're supposed to stop. They're going to go when they're supposed to go. When the light turns green, you know, if you're there for three seconds, you've waited two seconds too long, right? You, when it turns green, it's your turn to go. And so when the light turns red, everybody expects everybody to stop. That's just the rules of the game. But if, if we 
If we don't follow the rules, if people don't follow the rules, then trust in our world begins to fall apart. Have you ever tried to build something, though, that you were supremely unqualified for? Maybe you were building a shed in your backyard. Maybe you were um, building a bookshelf. Maybe you were putting together furniture from Ikea. I don't know, whatever it was, and you were trying to put this together. And for some reason, as you're reading the instructions, as you're following the directions, the thing just would not go together correctly. And so you had to call a professional. You had to call a contractor. Maybe you had to call your wife to come in and do this for you. Hey, I can't get this together. Uh, Come and help me. And so maybe you were putting this thing together, and things just weren't working right. Whatever it was, that was beyond your scope of ability. And see, when we don't know where to begin, we don't know where the starting point is at, it's hard to begin to put things together if we don't have the right information. But to build anything right, you have to start with the fundamentals. Right now, we're in the middle of Little League season, so when I'm coaching my young pitchers, uh, I'm not teaching them curveballs and sliders. We're not worrying too much about change-ups and sinkers and pitches that do this or that. I'm teaching them one pitch and one pitch only, and that's the fastball, precisely the four-seam fastball, because it's the fastball, it's the, it's the pitch, it's the throw that's the most easily controlled. And if you've seen our pitchers pitch, sometimes they have trouble controlling that. And so, uh, and Jeremiah can testify. And so, Sometimes the ball doesn't do what you really want it to do. And so we have them, we, tra- we, we practice and we practice and we practice trying to get them to do the right things at the right time in the right way so that we can have the right results. See, if you can throw strike one, if you can teach a young pitcher to throw strike one all the time, then all of a sudden as they get older and they can, are strong enough to throw some of these other pitches, then everything else kind of builds off that. See, as we look to build a life that honors God, we need to start with the right foundation. As we look to build a life that honors God, that, 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 uh, as we've been looking at this series called Burnless and those things that hold us back, those things that are keeping us from being and growing into the person that God wants us to be, those things that we need to set aside, we need to go back to the foundation, go back to the very beginning. So if we want to pursue a life that honors God, the first thing we need to do is relinquish control and put all of our trust in him. And so if you would, turn with me today to to Proverbs chapter three, and we're gonna look at verses five and six. And if you've spent much time in Proverbs, you see that uh, Solomon is writing for his son a code of life. And as as he's writing through, there's just various collections of of sayings and and, and directions and lessons learned. And and Solomon begins to put them together in a way that his son can look back and and, and read and look back and and learn. And if you know anything about at least one of his boys, Rehoboam, the the boy could have read this book a few more times because he was not the wisest individual. He made some pretty bad mistakes. But Solomon, these words were recorded and saved for us that we as children of God can come back and, and learn these same lessons. He said, son, here's how you can set your life up for success. This is the way. And so what we're going to look at today is the, really the building block, the very first building block about how we can be used by God. It's so foundational because if we don't have this place, this piece in place, nothing else works correctly. Solomon writes these words, trust in the Lord with all your heart, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, 
and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. I mean, if you've been in church any length of time, you've probably heard this verse. If you've been around a Bible study enough for any length of time, you've probably studied this verse. Maybe you've even memorized this verse. Maybe you'd even have to turn there. Once you heard the scripture reference, maybe once you read the scripture reference, you're like, I don't need to turn my Bible there. I know that one by heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Those first eight words, those first eight words of that verse, are are among the most important in all the Bible. When Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust. There's that word again. It's it's that building block of uh, relationship. It's that building block of of life to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And if we're going to trust God, we first must give up some control. I mean, we all want to be masters of our own destiny. We all want to control where, the, the results. We want to control the outputs. But, but really, the first thing God comes is to tr- put our trust in, in him. And, and that, that word for trust talks about a, a confidence. That confidence we have that when we sit in the pews, when I'm standing on the stage, that everything will hold up. Everything will do what it's designed and supposed to do. A lot of times we, we, we begin to connect trust and faith. And a lot of times that's, that, that's a good connection. Uh, and then we, when we get to faith, we then go to, to, to saving faith. But that's not really what this word trust here is relating to. It's not uh, a, a saving trust. It's not a saving faith. It's a, it's a trust that we have confidence that, that, that someone's going to hold up their end of the deal. We're gonna, we have trust that the other person is going to come through for us. We trust that the other people are going to play by the rules. We, tr- we trust one another that way. And so we're to put our trust, put our confidence in God. Someone says to, to, to build a healthy life, we must put our confidence in God. And, and now that can be a hard thing for some of us to do because sometimes the way we relate to people, the way we relate to God is the way we relate to people. Because people have let us down. We've had people who have hurt us. We've put our dreams in someone else's hand. We've gone all in in a relationship before and it's, it's failed. They've let us down. We've been hurt. We've been hung out to dry. We've been exposed. We've been let down. And so the question that comes to mind is, what if God treats me the same way? Right? There are some people who have a hard time relating to God as father because the relationship they had with their father was not a good one. And so so when we have this difficulty with other people, we wonder, well, will God see me the same way? This person rejected me. This person abandoned me. This person hurt me because of, uh, of this thing that I did, because I let them down, because I, I, I'm this way. They no longer love me. They, they no longer accept me. Will God treat me the same way? And so we have a hard time trusting others. We have a hard time uh, giving ourselves. So we have a hard time uh, giving ourselves to God because we wonder, is God going to love us? Is God going to treat us the same way as others have treated us. And so we lose trust in God. But what if, what if as you're sitting here today, you're thinking, I'm kind of feeling God calling me to use my gifts. I'm calling, God, I feel God calling me to, to use these abilities, to use, uh, to, 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 to reach out to that friend, to, to embark and do this ministry. But what if I'm left all alone? Will God really be there with me? Because if he doesn't go with me, our words are kind of like Moses, right? If God, if you don't go with us, 
I don't want to go. We don't want to go if you're not going to go with us. And so we begin to fear that we're going to be all by ourselves. We're going to be alone. We're going to be lonely. We're going to lose control of the situation. We want to control our own destiny. And and so we fear if we begin to put our confidence in God, we don't know where we're going to go. Where is God going to take us? Is is God going to take me into a dangerous situation? Is God going to call me to my neighbor across the street? That'd be all right. That's good and safe. But what if God calls me the deepest, darkest Africa? Because that's always the fear, right? Growing up, going to church camp, the missionaries would come in and say, you really should go in the mission field. And and, and where they came, they came from my deepest, darkest Africa. And you're like, oh, God's going to call me the deepest, darkest Africa. That's just the the phrasing we used in, uh, in, in Missouri. Because I guess that's the furthest place away from where we thought anyone could go. And, and then anyway, we, our fear was God's going to call us somewhere without electricity, without running water. We're, you know, what are we going to do? We, we, we won't have electricity. We have to go get our own water. We have to go to a well. We're going to have to carry the water on our head. We're going to have to do that several times a day. And nowadays, it, it's not so much just electricity or, or, or running water. Now it's, it's like, it's like, it's like God, what if God sends me somewhere without reliable internet, like Hagerstown? And you're just wondering, it's like, well, what, what, what is it like where there's like reliable internet? That'd be just awesome if we get to call me somewhere without that. Oh, oh, that would be punishment. What would life be like, though, if we truly let go of the wheel and let God take control? Where might we go? Where might God take us? So we have to be willing to give up control of the ends, the, the results in our life. There are still inputs that are on our side that we need to take care of, our obedience, our, our pursuit of him. But we need to let go of the results, let go of the outcomes, because those belong to God. And so we have to be vulnerable enough to put ourselves out there no matter what might happen. And see, it becomes awfully hard to trust when we only give up partial control. If we say, oh, I'm, I'm, only gonna, I'm only gonna give up just a little bit of control, I'm only gonna give up just a little bit, it's hard to say that we fully trust. It's hard to trust and not become vulnerable. My mom had this saying that she used often when we were growing up. She, she would say, I trust them only as far as I can throw them. I know maybe your mom said the same thing, maybe for the, and, and it took me a while to figure out what that phrase meant. I'm going, then I realized, well, my mom's not the strongest individual there is. And, and so when she said, I can trust like, oh, she can't trust them very much because she can't throw them very far. Finally came around, finally, finally figured that out. And sometimes that's how we treat God. I, I can only trust God as far as I can throw him, and God's so big, he's so, I, I can't throw him. So can I really, truly trust him? God says, if, if you're going to trust me, I ask for total surrender. And so Solomon says we need to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Not just a piece, but the whole. And so how do we show that? Because it's easy for us to say one thing and do another. It's easy for us to act. It's easy for us to go through the motions and not fully commit. But to show total commitment, to trust in the Lord from a whole heart, it reveals itself by leaning not on our own understanding. By leaning not on our own understanding. See, we, 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 we got to trust that we don't have the picture. And so we got to trust that God sees more clearly, that God understands, that God knows it more. 
And up until this point in Proverbs, Solomon has used the word understanding in a positive light. This is the first time he kind of mentions it more in a negative. And so it's always kind of mentioned that it's this knowledge, this way of God. But understanding can be right and understanding can be wrong, right? We can have a right and a wrong understanding. There's two sides to this understanding coin. There's God's side and there's man's side. And the two can be in conflict with one another. But the choice, the choice is ours. And it can be understood as easily as with two lines. See, if, if God's understanding and our understanding are, flow, are in the same direction, all of a sudden there is there's this unobstructed flow. The, 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 the path is, is not blocked, that we, can, we are in line with God and God can send his blessing to us and he can use us to glorify him. When we, our understanding is in line with God's understanding, things are at peace, things are, are good. But when God's understanding and our understanding are opposite of each other, all of a sudden we realize our need for the cross. Because when our understanding and God's understanding are at odds with one another, we call that sin. When our understanding and God's understanding are in conflict, God cannot bless us. God cannot use us when we are uh, in opposition to him. When we stand in conflict with God, our relationship is broken and we see our need for the cross. Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding." But in all your ways, acknowledge him. There's that word all again, right? And all, if you look at it in the Greek, if you look at it in the Hebrew, if you look at it in the Aramaic, it means all. Pretty easy word to just, you don't have to follow that word train too, too far to figure out that all means all. And no matter what language you're talking, there's no nuance there. It's the whole thing. It's a total surrender. It's everything. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge comes from the word to know. So we acknowledge God in our life. We do this in all the ways. We use, you know, there's, there's some ways that we end, end up getting compartmentalized, right? Maybe we'll follow the rules here and kind of fudge them there. We're disciplined in one area, we're undisciplined in another. Sometimes we're the same way with God. Sometimes we're, we're, we're more serious and we, we got things figured out here, but then over here our life's a mess. And God says, I need you to acknowledge me in all your ways. I need you to follow me in all all your ways, and for us to, to know that, for us to do that, for us to um, get there, the best way for us to do that, the psalmist writes for us, is to live according to his word. How can a young man keep his way pure? How can, how can, how can we follow in the footsteps of Jesus? We can live according to his word. That's how we acknowledge God in all of our ways is by, by, by reading scripture, by, by listening to its, to, to its counsel, by following in its footsteps. Not just when we are here at church, not just on Sunday, not just when we're with church people. Those are the easy times, but it's, what about those times when no one's around? What about those times when, 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 we are, when we are forced into a situation when we're the only one who's going to take a stand? Will we still stand for what is right and true? This is God's call to character and integrity. We're the same people whether people are watching us or not. See, when we compartmentalize our life, 
Sometimes we can forget where we are. We can forget what rules we are to play by. But when we live a life of consistency, when we follow God's rules always, there's a reward for us. He says, in all of our ways, when we acknowledge him, he will make our paths straight. What's the fastest way between two points? A straight line. But if we were to look back at the path that our life has taken, would it be a straight line? See, I grew up in St. Louis and Several, several times growing up, we would go to, we went to Denver for the uh, Denver area for, for some form of vacation. And if you look at I-70 between St. Louis and Denver, it pretty much goes straight west. It doesn't move too much north or south. It's just like, just point the thing west and just keep going. Has anyone ever driven on the Blue Ridge Parkway? How much of that is straight? I mean, if you get motion sickness in a car, that is not the road for you. Beautiful stretch of road. There's beautiful vistas here and there. But, but, but if, you, if you don't like twisting and turning and up and up, that is not the road for you to be on. Our life tends to look a lot more like the Blue Ridge Parkway than I-70. Very, very rarely do we have those stretches of straight road. We take the scenic route, don't we? We make some wrong turns here and U-turns here. There's starts and stops and obstacles along the way that we get to uh, come across because of our waywardness. Isaiah writes that we are all like sheep who have gone astray. We've all gone our own way. None of us walks the same path. None of us has it all figured out. But uh, Solomon says, if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge him, he will make our paths straight, smooth. It will be, be the easier, most direct route. But the problem is, is our GPS needs reconfiguring, right? Our understanding is limited. It's flawed. When we rely on our own way, we get lost. But our reward for walking in step with God is a straight life. The shortest path between where we are and where he wants us to be. But sin always sidetracks us. Sin always adds obstacles to our path. See, total trust, total trust will always lead to the greatest good. When we totally trust in God, we put our total trust in Jesus, it will always lead to the greatest good. So why don't we do that? Why don't we always put our trust fully in God? Why don't we put our trust fully in Jesus? Because we see so many shiny things around us. And we're distracted by this and by that. See, when we go all in with God, God leads us to the best place in life. See, if we don't live a life of total trust in God, it means that we're depending on our own understanding. It means that we're depending on ourselves and our expertise, that we think somehow we've got it all figured out. But when you think back in your life, the number of fixes you found yourself in, can we really trust our track record? One could ask us, hey, how is that going for you? You you following your own understanding, your own way of thinking. How is that going for you? And we all have to say at one point or another, not to So what lessons does Solomon have for us in this text today? First, he says, hey, we need to trust God entirely. 
We need to trust God entirely. He, he makes this real simple. I mean, I mean, this is simple for everyone to understand. We're to trust in God, trust in the Lord with all of our heart. God demands undivided loyalty. Often in the Old Testament, God is referred to as a jealous God. And a lot of times we uh, uh, associate jealousy with sin. Because in, in, in our world, in, in our uh, uh, personalities, in our character, and the things that we do, jealousy does tend to be sinful. But God, in his holiness, his jealousy comes from a completely different place. It comes out of his perfection. It comes out of his character. It comes out of who he is. In all of creation, and not saying that God is a created being, but in all that we know, and all that he has made, and all that is understandable in our realm, God is the highest thing. God is the greatest thing. He's the only one worthy to demand worship. He's the only one fully, truly worthy of worship. He's the highest and greatest thought. He's the highest and greatest individual person, thing, whatever you want to name him. He's the greatest. And so for God to be jealous of our worship, that is right for him because in his holiness, he can demand that from us. And one day, everyone will acknowledge that. We are given the choice to acknowledge that now, to trust in God with a whole heart. We're to trust God entirely. See, when we give our hearts and affections and intentions to another, it makes God jealous. And it means we are failing to trust in him. Read through the Old Testament. And you can see that when Israel devoted its worship and intention and affections to God, things went great. God blessed them. He made them fruitful. He gave them victory over their enemies. He made their life grand, but when they would go astray, when they would go a different way, when they would veer off track, when they would uh, do anything but follow after God, when they gave their attentions and affections to another, they just went completely off the rails, didn't they? It wouldn't just be one minor slip up. It'd be failure after failure. And when they try to follow their own wisdom, their own counsel, they'd make one mistake after another. If they simply would have put their trust and God entirely, they would have avoided the mess to begin with. Let's trust God entirely. We should also trust God exclusively. He says, lean not on your own understanding. See, when we begin to, uh, to, to, to fall into the trap of, of human wisdom, I'm going to follow the wisdom of man, it begins to muddy the waters. Isaiah, like I said earlier, Isaiah said, we are all like sheep who've gone astray. We've each turned to our own way. Solomon would write in a few chapters later, he says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Our understanding leads us to destruction. Jesus would say, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Someone says, if you follow your understanding, it's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to destruction. And Jesus says, if you trust in me, if you follow in my path, I will give you life. Life overflowing. Yet we still choose to go our own way. We still choose to follow our own understanding, our own path. When we listen to the counsel of man instead of the wisdom of God, we will always find ourselves broken. 
But the wise man, Solomon says, leans not on his own feelings or leans not on his own understanding, but he trusts that God's way is best. The one who chooses his own way arrogantly claims that he knows better than God. So we're to trust God entirely. We're to trust God exclusively. We're also to trust God extensively. How far are we to trust God? We're to trust God in all of our ways. See, the reality is that we trust God some of the time in some of our ways, right? We trust God some of the time in some of our ways. We don't trust God fully. We don't go all in with God. There are times that we put God on the bench. Sometimes at the end of a, a basketball game, if it's a blowout, the, the coach will take all of his stars, all of his good players, put them on the bench, put in all the, the, the bench players and, and, and give them a few minutes to play. And sometimes what we do with, that's what we do with God. We go, God, I got this one. Why don't you just sit here on the bench? We take God out of the game and we put ourselves in thinking that we know better because how could Jesus have gone through life when he didn't have Google, right? I mean, I mean, he did, how, did, how could he possibly have all the answers if he didn't have this tool? I mean, we, we, we've got our own wisdom, right? We, we can go find all the answers ourselves. And so we begin to put ourselves in the place where we really need to have God in the driver's seat. See, sometimes we take God out of the game and begin to rely on our own understanding, our own wisdom, thinking that we can make the decisions ourselves. And this is where our compartmentalization hurts us because we relegate God to the worship sector of our life when, lordship, when his lordship ought to be over all of our life. That if he isn't Lord over all, then he's not Lord at all. Abraham Kuyper said this, in the total expanse of human life, there is not a single square inch of which the Christ, who alone is sovereign, does not declare, that is mine. That there's not a single square inch of all creation where God, where Jesus does not shout, that that is mine, that I am Lord over all. See, total trust in Jesus leads to the greatest good. See, if we trust ourselves, or if we trust the wisdom of men, we will see defeat. But when we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge him, he will make our paths straight. And so I have a question for you today. What are you trying to control? What are you trying to control? If you notice, at the bottom of your notes, there is a place that says, my decision today. And so what I want you to do is in that section, I want you to write, what am I trying to control? I know some of you are sitting there going, Mike, I'm not going to play your game. I'm not, I'm not going to, but I want, I want you to write that down. Because what if I told you that answering that question could begin to unlock doors that could lead to a spiritual breakthrough in your life? What if answering that question what if identifying that thing in your life that you're trying to control would lead to that next step in faith that you need to take? So what if it's just that identifying that one thing would lead to blessing upon blessing from God? Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to hold on. We're trying to have control. We're trying to direct God, when we really need to bring ourselves underneath the lordship of Jesus. 
What if the thing we most need to do was identifying what we're trying to control and bring it under Jesus' control? See, total trust in Jesus leads to the greatest good. We've talked about all these different things that, were, that hold us back, our guilt, our shame. Today we're looking at trust and control. Do we truly trust in the one who gave up everything for us? What is it that we're trying to so control in our life that we aren't willing to let it go so that he might be glorified in us and through us? See, total trust in Jesus leads to the greatest good. When we fully trust in him, then and only then are we free to be who he has made us to be. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word and its encouragement, its instruction, its direction, its guidance and wisdom in our life. Father, I thank you for its honesty to us. Father, our need to trust in you from a whole heart, our need to put our, our full faith in you that you will be there with us and for us. Father, I pray that today as we begin to face another week, some of us know the, the decisions that are before us. We know the, the, the difficulties that we may face. And so, Father, I, I pray that as we, that, that we would lean on your understanding, that we would lean on, on your truth, that we would lean on your wisdom, that we would lean on your guidance, that we would not trust in our words and our thoughts, but that, Father, we would give ourselves wholly and fully and completely to you. But, Father, as we trust in you more and more, that you would make our path straight, that you would make us who you would hope us to be, that you would desire for us to be, that you would lead and guide our steps. Father, might your word wash over us again today, purifying us, cleansing us, and setting us right, that we might walk in step with you today and tomorrow. That, Father, as we walk in step with you, would you help us to lead others to know you as well? They would put their faith and trust in you, that you may be made great in our life and through our life, in our community, so you'd be glorified. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the change he has made in our life. Would you help us to bring others to know that change as well?